I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. It's Thanksgiving week, so let's start off by giving some thanks. I always start, or end the show, uh, by saying if you don't leave it a five-star review, you're a hater, and so uh, you don't want me to be inclined that you are that. Um, so this week, we're going to switch it up. We're going to start off with something nice. Um, I want to give some thanks to all of you guys for listening to the podcast. You guys have a lot of choices out there, so it is greatly appreciated. Um, I also thank, want to thank all of you for subscribing to Hale Varsity because there's a lot of great content that's created and we could not do it without your support. Um, so thank you. I hope everybody is having or going to have, depending on when you're listening to this, a, a happy, safe, and fun holiday. Um, it, should, it should be a lot of fun this week. There's, there's a lot going on uh, with high school state championship games, wrap up a really good, fun season um, of high school football here in Nebraska. You, of course, had the big game between Iowa and Nebraska, um, which we will dive into a little bit later here. Um, there's a lot of good stuff happening. So thank you. Um, and today I am flying solo uh, to hit on a variety of topics. Um, and each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. Uh, the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said. And then I give you, or we give you, if I have someone with me, uh, the uh, straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now this week comes courtesy of Co Nebraska coach Scott Frost. Uh, Frost had this to say after his team's 35-28 loss to Wisconsin over the weekend in Madison, which was his 19th one-score loss as Nebraska coach. He said, quote, listen, we played a really good football team tonight. Wisconsin's good in all three phases. You can't start the game with a kick return. You know, there are seven points right there, and we lost by seven. They're good in the run game, but we gave up too many big plays in the run game. Just a lot of missed tackles, I thought. And we shot ourselves in the foot on a couple of offensive drives penalties. And it's happened too much. We need to get it fixed. We're going to get it fixed. We keep putting ourselves in position against really good teams. We got to get it done. End quote. Let's break that down. Now, this is normally the part where I ask my guest, hey, guest, what did this mean? So I'll ask myself, self, what does this mean? Um, here's the thing. It obviously means that we, you know, none of this is new. And now we, we've essentially been saying, or Scott Frost has been saying a version of this um, for the majority of his tenure here at Nebraska as we're now in year four um, of his tenure. I mean, I could have recorded that quote six weeks ago or said it to you and it would have been true then. It's true today. Um, it, it's just, it's a recurring theme 
in a very what's become a really strange season for Nebraska in which you look at all sorts of statistical numbers um, and different uh, metrics and FPI and all of this you can find all sorts of them out there that tell you um, how good Nebraska actually is or how improved they are um, but at the end of the day wins and losses <laughs> are what matter um, and I start to worry not necessarily because of this quote in particular, um, but just because this quote is kind of piling on to several quotes about how close they are. Um, I do worry about Nebraska as a whole settling into this mindset of being close. Like you just, when you look on social media, you talk to people about the team, like there's so much talk about them being close. There, there's so much talk now um, about them being the best eight loss team in history, They're the best three win team in history. Um, there are lots of articles that you can find out there about that. There's actually one on the site and I have not taken a shot of my boy, Derek Peterson, um, wrote a story, his column on Sunday night um, about them being, you know, it, it being a disaster and there being a lot of a mess is what he called it. Nebraska is a mess, uh, but they're the best three and eight team in history. I, sure, like we can go there and we can say that, um, but I do think that there's a danger in continuing to reinforce that um, because you can, Nebraska has had a hard time pulling itself out of this, obviously. And I wonder if this mindset will only be bolstered by them being favored against Iowa. If you did not see the news, Iowa is 9-2. and two, Nebraska is 3-8 and eight coming into this game on um, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and Nebraska opened up as a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look. Uh, <laughs> that's something. I, I would garner to say that that has not happened uh, very often in history, um, where a 3-8 and eight team would be favored, um, even though they're at home against a 9-2 and two team um, in a rivalry game. Like, it, it's just kind of crazy. I guess you go with the whole, the old adage of throw the, the records out the window when these two teams meet. Um, and it, it seems improbable, um, but this extremely frustrating 2021 season um, probably had to go this way. Um, and it, this makes sense as to where they are right now, that with how crazy this season has been, that you would end up in the situation where Nebraska is favored over Iowa to end this season. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Um, and I'm going to explain why. I think that Nebraska being favored in this game actually now makes them more likely to lose this game to Iowa. And it has nothing to do with like quote unquote bulletin board material or Iowa being upset or fired up to play this game. Because quite frankly, Iowa is always fired up to play this game against Nebraska. You can see it when they play them every year. Um, it feels like they are ready and roaring to play every time. Um, there's some deep-seated things there of Iowa really wanting to take it to Nebraska, especially while Nebraska's being been down, even though as Nebraska has been down, and Iowa has been on kind of, for them, an unprecedented run of success. All of the games between Nebraska and Iowa have been close um, under Scott Frost. And so that's kind of an interesting subplot as well, is that if Nebraska kind of got things together – you would think that they'd be able to get over the hump and beat this Iowa team. But the way that I, the reason why I think that it's more likely that Nebraska loses to Iowa now that they're, they came out that they're favored is handling success or the illusion of success has really been a problem for Nebraska. It's a team to me that is kind of fragile and that they need to be to not told how good they are 
or how close they are or that they're the best eight loss team in history, anything like that. They need to be told, do more, one more. You got to do more. You have that one play that cost you, because we're always talking about these handful of plays at the end of each game um, that have cost Nebraska um, these one score games. And that in one way is true. And in another way, um, there's other ways to look at that as well. But I will, for for the sake of this discussion, that is true. There are a handful of plays that it really comes down to when you lose these one score games. And there have been a lot of them for Nebraska under Scott Frost. I think that that's where Nebraska needs to have its focus. Um, and not necessarily that, oh, we should beat this team. We should take care of Iowa, um, even though they're coming here at 9-2, and two, going to a bowl game. We're not going to a bowl game once again. I think that Nebraska needs to still have that underdog mindset until they get over the hump. I feel like Nebraska is just a program right now that is not built to handle that type of praise from the outside world. And we have seen this come up multiple times because you could say, Hey, Greg, well, I don't think the players are really paying attention to what's being said by Vegas or in the media or anything like that. But I would say, I would challenge you on that and say, we've actually seen that happen in a way we saw the reaction by Scott Frost after Jack, Jack has had that, um, big game against Northwestern. And then he made sure to kind of knock that down a little bit. Right. Then what did you kind of hear behind the scenes? He read his press clippings. You've heard that about other players, not to just single Yant out. That was just the first um, example that came to mind. But there have been other players that that has happened to. Travis Fisher, the defensive back coach for Nebraska, has definitely mentioned that before about multiple players in his room um, reading their press clippings a little bit too much. So that does seem to be a thing on this team. So I worry about them heading into this game um, when they um, are a favorite against a team that is nine and two. And I guess up until the game against Wisconsin with Nebraska, still had a chance to win the Big Ten West. I think Wisconsin um, is going to go ahead and win that now, but I will definitely go into a bowl game. We'll see. I'll be really curious, or full disclosure, we, I record this on Monday um, before the press conference is happening this week. But I don't know kind of what the tenor is of what the, the team and what Scott Frost, and we're going to also hear from Eric Trenander and Travis Fisher, the aforementioned, um, here on Monday because of the kind of weird schedule because of Thanksgiving week. I'll be curious to see how they handle the talk of Nebraska being favored. I'm sure it's going to come up, um, and and I'll be curious to see what they end up saying uh, about that messaging and how they go ahead and continue to keep the team sharp, even though Vegas says they should win this game on Friday. And there's another section of this that is, because we can't talk about Nebraska right now in the – without mentioning the big picture of the program that is happening right now, um, we have obviously there, there's one more game left to be played. And so we have to talk about kind of that Nebraska, Iowa matchup. And then, you know, kind of what I was laying out before about the, the, just the fear of this team handling success and how that's going to go. But you got to talk about that, which is kind of the, the micro of what's happening right now, but you also have to talk about the macro, which is the big picture of what's happening with Nebraska football right now. And that I do wonder on some of this, you know, Nebraska is so close and, you know, we just need to get over the hump. It's going to break all things that, that Scott Frost has said throughout the season. It makes me worry in a way or be more curious on how these upcoming changes are going. Now, everyone knows by now, um, it was talked about on the broadcast at nauseum that Nebraska fired four offensive assistant coaches um, a couple of weeks ago. 
we're kind of settling in still on that news and what that means and who's going to be hired, what direction the program is going to take under Scott Frost. But the thing that kind of has my interest here, and we won't know really until they start playing games again next season, but it's still a good talking point, is does Frost think, as he's kind of said and alluded to and hinted to and directly said a few times, does he think that Nebraska needs to just continue doing what they have been doing because as he said and he said again after the press on the press conference against wisconsin this is a much improved football team and that everyone can quote see that um though they're not improved on scoreboard and on the win-loss column at all um he continues to say that and so does he think that they just need to keep doing what they're going to do what they're doing previously and that eventually it'll just break through that eventually nebraska will just find a way either through getting the right bounce or just in sheer will at some point, um, they'll find a way to break through with an easier schedule next year. We know the schedule is easier. Um, it's more manageable, though I say there is also a, a, a danger in, has been my key phrase today, there is a danger in like resting too much in, oh, the schedule is easier next year. And I'll tell you what. The first game next year against Northwestern in Ireland should be a, a lot of fun for the people that get to go. I will not be on that trip, but it should be a lot of fun um, for the people that get to go. Northwestern is very bad this season. What always happens with Northwestern every time they're this bad? They bounce back the next year. They win eight, nine, ten games and make a run. That is Pat Fitzgerald's M.O. So I expect Northwestern to be a much improved football team next year. Um, definitely not the team that Nebraska beat 56-7 this year. Um, and so that will be an interesting game from game one. And that's one that if you're looking at the schedule right now, you say, hey, that makes, this, that makes the schedule start off with a bang. You get that victory to start it off, and then you're off and rolling. Uh-uh-uh. I would caution you to not necessarily lock that one in as a victory uh, because Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald traditionally bounces back after having one of those bad seasons. So I don't think resting on just the schedule next year is wise. I don't think like uh, resting in just breaking through because eventually it has to happen um, is going to be a wise move either. Hey, listen, hope is not a plan, right? Say it again. Hope is not a plan. Um, and so Nebraska needs to have a plan for how they're going to do this. And by Nebraska, I mean Scott Frost. And so we're going to see what that plan is based on what he made, what decisions he makes about bringing in new coaches to infuse some fresh blood into what I've started calling the Frost era 2.0 um, as we move into year five. It's, it's different to have it in year five to have that reset. Usually that's a year two, maybe a year three kind of a thing. But Scott Frost is getting the benefit of... of of a lot of things, but the benefit of being able to make these decisions and still be here to do that um, heading into 2022, despite the record being what it is. We're going to see how this goes, but it's fascinating that we're going to spend a lot of time. You're going to see a lot of columns and a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio shows talking about what they need to do to improve the talent on the roster, whether it's the transfer portal or JUCO. You know, can they find a big recruit? Is there a quarterback that's going to come in here to train? Transfer. There'll be a lot of a lot of oxygen will be devoted to that. The thing that I really have my eye on, and it's going to be so tough to really peg and figure out, is how the mindset of Scott Frost shifts in leading this program and what they need to do differently to get over that hump. I it it really 
would defy logic to think that they can continue doing the same things over and over again. And just by happenstance, Nebraska is going to break through and just flip those games. Something will have to be done to be able to flip those games. And it might be as simple as, as a different message from an offensive line coach that gets the offensive line to being average next year. And then that would really make a big boost to this offense. Um, it could just be that. But we'll see. This is it's a really interesting test. Um, and Scott Frost is kind of at a crossroads, obviously, in a number of ways. Um, and that's going to be fascinating to see that all unfold over this offseason. But first, we have an Iowa game to get through in which Nebraska's favored. Now, one of the other things I definitely wanted to make sure that we got to this week was that fun has returned to the NFL. You know, man, what are, you, what are you talking about? They can celebrate now, even though those stupid taunting penalties have come back. And every time the NFL gives me something that I want to be excited about with letting people do uh, the celebrations and the team celebrations and all that, they come right back behind it um, with these stupid taunting penalties, which happen every week. Like we can just pick a game. Um, there's always one of those. Now it feels like every week um, Luke Gifford was, the, was, I guess, the victim of one of those where he got pointed at. Um, I'm sure he would tell you that that was not an egregious thing and he was not offended by that but I digress fun is back in the NFL and why is that because Cam Newton is back in the NFL not only is he back in the NFL he is back with the Carolina Panthers um kind of the team you know that he built his career with won an MVP took them to a Super Bowl um that they ended up losing um but Cam Newton back with the Panthers I've had a lot of fun watching this kind of unfold over the last couple of weeks um, as he's returned on social media. It's been really fun to see people get excited and jazzed up about the Panthers. I feel like I didn't know that I knew that many people um, that lived in that area because, boy, I looked up and I saw all sorts of people I knew at that game um, against Washington yesterday. Now, Washington did end up winning the game 27-21, but we got a couple of classic vintage Cam Newton highlights um he uh, he ran the ball 10 times for 46 yards in the touchdown um and then he also threw he was 21 for 27 just for 189 two touchdowns no picks um had a qb rating of 120.5 had a pretty good game like he did enough um they had a hard time stopping the run yesterday but and then also terry mclaren um had a really nice game yesterday uh but cam newton being back seeing him run out of the tunnel with the carolina panthers um it was a great moment. Um, it was last week when he scored that touchdown and that not so good game that he had. It made it look better because he saw that highlight everywhere where he's yelling, I'm back. Um, that stuff, it was great. It is great to see him back in the NFL. We'll see how much he flourishes. I don't know how much he has left in the tank, um, but it is so interesting to me, like Carolina bringing him back. Um, also a Husker tie there because Amir Abdullah um, is Carolina. He only had one carry yesterday, but it was an effective one for six yards. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But it's, it's crazy in a lot of ways, not just from a pure football in, um, standpoint, but also from a locker room and a team standpoint, like the Panthers after losing that game dropped to five and six, but they got a real jolt in the arm from getting Newton back. And there are so many guys on that team. If you think about it, that grew up that are young players in the NFL that grew up watching Cam Newton because Cam Newton, it was what 2011, I believe when he had that really big MVP season. Um, it, it was a little bit before that. We had that great year at Auburn, put them on his back um, and led them to a national championship. Championships and championship and what I still think is the best overall like if I took a single season quarterback and his performances 
And I said, I want to start my team with that guy. It would be that year at Auburn, Cam Newton, because he was just unstoppable. Like there was just nothing that anyone could do. And so there are a lot of players on this team that grew up watching that, that kind of came into their own watching this guy and everything that he represents. And so it has to be cool for them to see him in the locker room. Like the second that he came back to that team, it became his team and his locker room. Like no disrespect to Christian McCaffrey, who's an all pro player and a great player. Um, it had over, you know, a, like 120 total yards yesterday in his game um, as well. And he's been, again, putting up numbers. But it's Cam Newton's team. It's Cam Newton's world. And everybody else is just living in it in the Carolinas or Carolina Panthers organization. But it's great to see him back. Um, and I really enjoy seeing Cam Newton being back in the NFL. Um, we're not going to talk about the Bears. Um, it, it's, it's time for Matt Nagy to go. I'll be able to get into that a little bit later because I'm sure it'll happen and I'll have somebody from the Bears uh, that covers the Bears on to be able to talk about that. Um, but Cam Newton, back in the NFL, great for me, great for fun. Now, every week we end the show with my favorite segment of the week called Put Them On Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. Today, I am actually going to go with Isaiah Stewart's face. If you don't know who Isaiah Stewart is, because you probably don't, um, but you might have found out about him yesterday because he was involved in an altercation with LeBron James. Yesterday, last night, uh, Sunday night, LeBron James and the Lakers were playing against the Pistons, who Isaiah Stewart is a member of. Uh, and he, Isaiah Stewart got kind of in a tussle with LeBron James. LeBron James, they, like his elbow hand caught Isaiah Stewart in the face. Isaiah Stewart was leaking blood everywhere. Um, and then I, I would not say a melee ensued. A melee did not ensue uh, because there were a lot of people that went ahead and broke that thing up and kept Isaiah Stewart, who was, if you haven't seen the video, and I will put it in the uh, show notes, because uh, you have to kind of see the video to fully appreciate this. Um, he really made an attempt to get across the court from the, from across the court and get at LeBron James. There are some people now are saying LeBron James is hiding behind a ref. But I'm putting Isaiah Stewart's um, face on blast for getting in the way of the king. You just can't do that. Now, with all seriousness, I do think that this is – it's kind of funny to me because LeBron has just enough, like, plausible deniability to say that this really was an accident. Um, Isaiah Stewart clearly did not think that this was an accident. Um, and so we're just going to see. I found it weird that Le Russell Westbrook, who even though he did square up from a distance um, and kind of look like the Notre Dame old logo um, in his kind of square up moves, he did get a technical foul after the fact because um, Scott Foster, who we should not know Scott Foster's name, but we do because of it. he's always somehow making crazy calls um he deemed that russell westbrook was an escalator and not a peacemaker um in this game or in that melee almost melee in this game um so he was he was not thrilled after the game when he found out russell westbrook that uh, he got that technical um anthony davis had this to say about about the almost melee and you know um stewart you know, running into LeBron James. He said, quote, everybody in the league knows LeBron's not a dirty guy. In fact, when he knew he hit him, as soon as he did, he looked at him, back at him like, oh, my bad, I didn't try and do it. So, I mean, you know, it happens. Things happen. 
Um, as Dwayne Casey, the Pistons coach, said after the game, Isaiah's eye did get cracked all the way open, so he was upset. Um, but it really got him going. It got the Lakers team going. They ended up winning that game, um, 121 to 116. But sorry to Isaiah Stewart's face, but you are getting put on blast for running into the king. You should probably know better. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, the Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the, Hill Var- and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure to check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. You can find me on there. Um, there's like a, a sub-channel in the YouTube page for Nebraska recruiting, where I'm doing these recruiting videos of the week, been doing them all season. Have a really good time with those with Aaron Sorensen. Um, you can also check me out on Twitter at Greg Smith HV. Appreciate you guys. Have a very happy holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of food. You can also email the show straight up breakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch you next week. A Huda Media Production.